welcome back to Ghoul's Night In, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. Uh, and I I am very excited about today's topic. Um, I I <laughs> had quite a lot of fun um, while researching this one. Um, we are talking about everyone's favorite blood-sucking physician, Dr. Acula. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so funny. Yes, we are talking about Dracula today. I, I actually have to leave. So, um, <laughs> well, it's been nice doing this podcast with you. Yeah, everyone, uh, I, complete, I completely understand. Everyone enjoy uh, this secondary snark cast. <laughs> oh man! So I don't know if you have been seeing um, Dracula showing up around the internet this past week. Not um, well, not specifically, but I guess I mean I know there's a somewhat ish new show, yeah, yes. Um, but so I I have been you know just chilling, doing my thing, and I started to see like a lot of like Dracula content on TikTok, and was kind of oh. like, what's going on here? Um, and that is actually thanks to a project called Dracula Daily. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so this was first created last year um, by a web designer named Matt Kirkland. And basically he took Dracula and built an automated newsletter that delivers the book to you in chronological order in real time. So, wow, that's fun. Yes. Um, so for those of you who have not read Dracula and maybe are more familiar with like movies and things like that, um, Dracula is an epistolary novel. So it's made up of diary entries, letters, telegrams, like newspaper articles. And within the book, these aren't um, presented in like fully chronological order. You get kind of things in bits and pieces based on like plot and foreshadowing. But the first opening journal entry uh, that Jonathan Harker makes is on May 3rd. So the first Dracula Daily email went out on May 3rd and it will continue until Dracula ends on November 10th. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, and you might go have, ahead. I, I hope I'm not jumping the gun here, but I was noting right before you and I got on to record on our uh, Woods calendar mm-hmm. <laughs> that the 26th of May is World Dracula Day. <laughs> and I was sitting here thinking, that's weird. I wonder why. I wonder if it has something to do with uh, something that happens in, in the book on, on that day. Yeah, it must be. <laughs> but yeah, so this guy ran this project last year and apparently had like 1,600 subscribers. And for, I'm not sure why, it has exploded this year. It is all over Tumblr. Everyone is incredibly hyped for Dracula and have been posting about it. Um, and so he's kind of, he's he's having a moment. So I thought that this would be a fun time to talk about Dracula and specifically um, kind of the impact of Dracula on pop culture and vampire pop culture. Amazing. Yeah, I... I feel like I have a bone to pick with the algorithm now because I'm not getting any Dracula content. <laughs> Hello? Whoa. Hello? Am tap, I, tap. Am Dracula? I not? <laughs> I, that, just that me, like thing of people hitting their credit card. Like, click, yes. click. Give me the Dracula content. Where's my Dracula content? <laughs> um, but yes, if anyone does want to follow along with this cool project, I signed up. Um, you can sign up at draculadaily.substack.com. It's just a cool free project. Um, and since I know um, some people may be following along with the book for the first time, um, we're not going to talk too much about like super nitty gritty specifics about the plot of the book. 
um, in this episode, but there will be generally spoilery discussion. This book is from 1897, so um, <laughs> we're going to talk about some of it. You probably already know a basic outline. I of think the, the statute of limitations has expired <laughs> yes. for us to give you spoilers <laughs> about Dracula at this point. Yeah. Right. Oh my goodness. Um, so as I just said, um, Dracula was published by Bram Stoker in 1897, and it did build off of a lot of existing kind of vampire lore and folk stories, but it really served as the launching point for the pop culture vampire as we recognize it today. Uh, so Dracula wasn't the first vampire novel. Um, there was a story by John Polidori who wrote the vampire with a y with a y yeah. so that's how you can tell um in the early 1800s and then there was a really popular penny dreadful series called varney the vampire your lesser um, known sister penny dreadful right. yeah. and then of course there's carmilla which has lesbian vampire content Ooh, Ooh. very fun um but dracula has ended up having the longest cultural life um and really shaped kind of the features that we think of as being like vampire lore so i have a pop quiz question for you oh hit me do you know the working title for dracula i don't but i do have fun facts about brom stoker later <laughs> Ooh, yes see this is why i was wondering because i know you had some like brom stoker stuff before so i wasn't <laughs> sure if you already knew this no. um but apparently his original title was the dead undead and then he was going to shorten it to just the undead and then change Catchy. his mind and called it Dracula instead. Also, originally, Dracula was named Count Wampir. That I actually book. did know. So just generally an upgrade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I will be requesting that this episode be called Count Wampir, though. <laughs> It definitely could be. <laughs> um, so as we covered before, um, Dracula is written via letters and diaries. Um, it follows primarily the story of Jonathan Harker, who is just a sweet young English lawyer who came to visit this Transylvanian lord to regard a property deal that his firm is handling. But spoiler alert, that lord is Dracula. And after vampire shenanigans, Dracula heads to England, starts munching on people there, including uh, Jonathan's fiance's best friend. Um, and Van Helsing is there, vampire hunting. And also very important to the plot is 50 boxes of dirt that Dracula brings with him everywhere he goes. You know, casual. You know, you gotta have that homeland dirt. <laughs> Like, I, I know that we definitely, like, see Homeland dirt, like, continuing throughout, but I just love, like, 50 boxes of dirt is a lot of dirt. Well, you run out, you know? What if some of it gets muddy? I guess. <laughs> the maid comes through, vacuums up a box. You're like, oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> There's so, a, uh, oh, that, that that comes up in what we do in the shadows. It does. <laughs> yes. They do have I really, some... I really appreciated that little, uh homage that they did because i caught it the first time i was like oh that's like straight from the source well mm -hmm. done yep yep some of those classic vampire legends um so dracula there's a lot of you've probably heard um that dracula the figure was based on vlad the impaler or vlad tepes um but there is actually a lot of debate about whether he was really inspired by this particular figure um so 
uh, Vlad the Impaler was known as Dracula, mm-hmm. um, but apparently, like the n- actual item in Stoker's notes, just kind of references the name and noted that it means devil, which isn't a hundred percent true because um, so. He was known as the son of Dracul, um, so that was his father's surname because he was in like the Order of Dragons. Um, so Dracul is based on Draco or dragon, but it sounds like it kind of evolved to mean devil in Romanian over time. So there is some devilishness um, about it, and uh, Stoker did draw a lot on Transylvanian folklore when creating his vampire. Although another fun fact that I found in my research is that he never actually went to Transylvania. Uh, So he just, he like had timetables and stuff like that. And his various like was like, oh, these are local dishes. Uh, But he was never there. He doesn't know. Do you think the people of Transylvania are just like, come on, guys? Probably. (laughs) Really? We weren't dealing with enough already. You got to make us known for vampires. I know. Uh, he Soaker was um, confirmed that he was inspired by the crimes of Jack the Ripper um, and did start writing Dracula two years after that killing spree and was kind of inspired by like the terror and the violence of that. <laughs> Which is why his publisher got all bent with him. <laughs> <laughs> so we got um, a couple of a couple of literary themes um, from Dracula. So. Obviously, it's an extremely popular gothic novel, horror novel, very iconic in the genre. And there's a lot of academic work on it. Um, There's definitely a lot in here about kind of like this sense of like the fear of a foreign invader coming to England um, that could potentially be read as uh, xenophobic. And apparently there are some like specific like anti-Semitic references. Not cool. Um, So thumbs down for all of that um but it could also be in a more metaphorical sense like about sort of like the victorian fears of like contagion and disease Mm. they were very obsessed with diseases and things like that and the idea of kind of like this mysterious thing that comes and destroys you and breaks you down from the inside and stuff fun fun (laughs) um actually fun Dracula is a super horny text. Um, so yeah. there's uh, lots lots of queer readings of the text. Um, the, there's lots of suppressed desire and forbidden longing. There's a lot of sexuality and seduction um, that's part of it. Um, conflicting feelings about kind of the portrayal of women. You have Mina, who's this very like intellectual, analytical person where Lucy is very like sexually daring and a uh, big surprise, which one of them gets got by a vampire. <laughs> it's probably the really virtuous one, right? Mm, seems right. As is always the case in horror. <laughs> For sure. Um, so this is only vaguely related um, to Dracula, but I read this um, when I was reading a mental floss um, list of like fun Dracula facts Um, This fact is not especially fun, um, but I had to share it because it was so horrible. Um, So apparently Bram Stoker had a neighbor who was a poet. And when his wife, the poet's wife died, he like wrote a journal of love poems for her and left it, put it in her coffin and like wound it in her red hair romantically. Like you do. And then seven years later, he changed his mind and was like, mm, I think I want those poems back. Um, so he had her coffin exhumed in the middle of the night 
so he could get the book back and apparently like pulled out like chunks of her hair as he pulled this book away um and so mental floss was like this grisly exhumation may have been on stoker's mind when he wrote lucy's final end and i was just like Uh, what cool i'm so glad to know that's based in true events (laughs) right also like if you're gonna bury something with somebody you you gotta gotta let let go you gotta let go with that that's done now yeah don't bury like your asthma inhaler or something you're gonna need later right um this so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna transition into some other pop culture stuff if you want to share some of your stoker facts Oh, well, so basically my only thing, which I'm feeling like we discussed this maybe once before on the podcast, but because, uh, so (laughs) there is a like uh, prequel type novel that was written a few years back by a uh, a, a relative of Mm -hmm. Bram Stoker called Dracul. And it published some like never before published parts of Dracula um, that basically his publisher, Bram's publisher was like, you got to take this out, bro. Jack the Ripper just like ruined London. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And apparently now this is what uh, hearsay but apparently Bram was like, no, this, I'm publishing this as like a guide to how to deal with vampires when they come. Mm. And his publisher was like, are you okay? <laughs> I do remember you mentioning that. And it's just like, um, no, it's like, um, we're not going to do that. No, actually, because we're already worried about serial killers and disease and it's the olden times. So everyone's already dead anyway can we make it a little more campy? And so they took stuff out. Um, but if you want to read some of the unpublished stuff as well, you can find that in Dracul. Uh, yes. Great, great stuff. <laughs> sure. sure. Uh, so yeah, Dracula was very well reviewed, but not like super popular when it first came out. Um, and it was really kind of all of the adaptations and the movies um, that made his legend grow. Uh, So Dracula, according to Guinness, has made 538 appearances in movies and TV as of 2015, making him the literary character with the most film appearances. Nice. Way to go, Drac. Right? And so there were lots of sources that were like, oh, Sherlock Holmes is actually, and it's like, he's in the book as the most appearing human literary character, which I feel like is a weak distinction because like Dracula is a monster but he's not like a dog or something like he still is like a fully fledged character so I don't think like like, hey uh yeah well and Sherlock I feel like I mean he's are they counting each individual story from Arthur Conan Doyle's books as him appearing in literature well, so it's um, their appearances in films as oh, literary okay. characters. I thought they were. They might, total, they, I don't like, know if they're counting like each individual, like Sherlock Holmes, like movie and adaptation are all counted separately. Yeah, or if they're like every episode of Sherlock BBC, like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the what the distinction is there, but Dracula definitely blows him out of the water. Yes, yeah, suck it, Sherlock. Yeah. Uh, so 
1922, um, the silent film Nosferatu um, is made, and Stoker's widow sued the production on that for copyright infringement because Aww. they did not no get um, any of her permission to make that. And she won, and they ordered all prints to be destroyed. Um, but a few bootlegs did survive, and that's why we still have access uh, to that film today. Which, thank goodness, it's a gem. It is. Like, it I'm is. sorry that that happened to her, but Nosferatu is a, it's so great. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, you shouldn't have stolen it, but also it was pretty cool. So I have the distinct pleasure of watching that at a, um, our, the symphony I worked at a few years ago, we would do these live screenings and our organist would play live over the film. Mm. Um, and it was one of the coolest experiences ever. <laughs> That's super cool. I love that. Uh, and then probably the, you know, the next most famous adaptation was 1931 Dracula starring Bela Lugosi. Yeah. Um, iconic. Um, so this was based on a stage play um, of Dracula, which Lugosi and Edward Van Sloan as Van Helsing originated the roles in and then came uh, to film this one. Uh, fun fact they filmed a Spanish language version to release in Mexico at night on the same sets with a different cast. Oh, that's cool. Which apparently that was not that uncommon in like early sound films, which I thought mm. was pretty cool. Nice. Pretty cool. Um, and then Universal made lots of monster movies uh, with Dracula appearing in it. And kind of the next evolution of the character um, was in the 1950s when the Hammer films Dracula came out um, starring Christopher Lee, uh, which Wikipedia credited <laughs> as being overtly sexual <laughs> and popularizing visible fangs on vampires. Ooh. <laughs> you know, I don't think I've seen that adaptation. No, yeah. I actually, I didn't realize that Christopher Lee played Dracula in like several hammer films movies hmm. i knew he was in obviously like dracula but no there were like a bunch and there was one called like the satanic rites of dracula oh yeah <laughs> intense so, like there's a there's a lot of a lot of schlock to explore there if you yeah. would care to uh, um, you and you know i do <laughs> yes and of course uh we have to shout out Gary Oldman in Francis yeah. Ford Coppola's Dracula in 1992 with Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, such a 90s classic. That's a good one. That was definitely like the Dracula that I watched first, yeah. like as a teen. So I definitely have a have a soft spot in my soft spot, <laughs> soft spot, spot in my heart for that one. Um, some other notable Dracula movies from this giant <laughs> list. So this is the point in time where I messaged a friend and was like, I know too much about Dracula now. <laughs> there's just too much. Um, so there's a Western entitled Billy the Kid versus Dracula. <laughs> Be so right back. That. I have to watch that immediately. <laughs> um, there is a 1972 film called Count Dracula's Great Love. Uh, which was a Spanish film that, from what I can tell, seems like it was kind of the first one that cast Dracula as like a romantic lead, um, which you definitely get in the uh, Francis Ford Coppola version, is very mm -hmm. much like Dracula as a romantic figure, kind of a tragically romantic figure. He's got some like uh, 
Phantom of the Opera vibes going on some of the time. (laughs) For sure. Um, Also 1972 was Blackula. Because Blaxploitation is for vampires too. (laughs) Oh, Blackula. In 1979, they released three Dracula movies in one year. Um, There was another one that was just called Dracula. Uh, Love Bites, the parody with George Hamilton, and Werner Herzog's remake of Nosferatu all came out in 1979. Wow. They really they really said, we're going to exploit this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, there is Dracula 2000, which stars Gerard Butler as Dracula, who is actually Judas Iscariot from the Bible. Like, like Dracula is Judas? Yes, so like Judas was cursed to and be a vampire <laughs> for being bad. And he's Gerard Butler. I don't know how I didn't know this movie existed before now, but now I'm kind of horrified that I know about this. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I had to shoot, shout out one of my very favorite terrible movies, Van Helsing. Okay. 2004. When I tell you that I just rewatched that like three days ago, because it is one of my, like, I, I'm going to say it unashamedly, probably one of my top 10 movies. <laughs> and I know it's not good, but that oh. and like the Beowulf that came out around the same time that's also terrible. My dad and I used to watch those together all the time, and I like have just such a soft spot for that Van Helsing film. It, it's so and and talk. Let's talk about hot women. Oh yeah, that redheaded wife vampire lady made me gay. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> I was going to say like it wasn't even it, I when I rewatched Van Helsing in around halloween i want to say something like that and like hadn't seen it i don't think since i saw it in high school and i definitely was like oh okay like i understand why i liked this movie so much (laughs) i'm having that with a lot of movies now when i go back i'm like oh Oh, yeah and oh my gosh anna so beautiful oh gosh yeah crazy leather corset bodice flipping all all the good stuff getting smushed to death by a werewolf what what more could you want it's terrible go watch it it's on netflix right now (laughs) oh my gosh and yeah so if you ever want to fall down a rabbit hole just look up pop culture appearances from dracula there are stage productions there are ballets operas he's in video games he's in books um it did books besides obviously his book um dracula (laughs) but i was actually reminded while i was researching of a book that i was super into in high school um i cannot confirm whether or not it was actually good um or if there's something offensive in there because i read it when i was in high school and i don't really remember what Um, if right now you just said it's this book called twilight (laughs) (laughs) uh it is called anno dracula Hmm. Have you ever heard of this? No. Um, So this is an alternate history where Dracula defeats Van Helsing and he marries Queen Victoria, kicking off vampire domination of England. And so it's like a whole like alternate history where like all of like the rich and the wealthy are like deciding to become vampires and people are like struggling and fighting against it um sherlock holmes is also in this one um jack the ripper is like a guy killing vampires 
and people are trying to investigate it. It I really enjoy I remember very much enjoying it. Um so this is a maybe a, a tepid recommendation. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's got four out of five on Audible. I'm looking at it. Right oh, yeah. I remember being I, I was very into like this kind of like the alternate history genre and it reminded me um nowadays um neil stevenson writes a lot of those kind of books that kind of bring together Uh both like historic and fictional historic characters and kind of creates these like alternate realities with them and yeah i was into it yeah it looks interesting i'm gonna now i'm I'm gonna have to check that out that's it looks good (laughs) yeah um, we of course have Buffy versus Dracula. Um, I love that episode. Yes, we had our Buffy episode, but we we got to talk about the the Count making his big appearance on Buffy. I just I loved how meta that episode was, just with the Dracula legend and everything. Also, that gentleman was very handsome. He did he a was. great Dracula. Yes. He was very like haunting and spooky, sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely different from your your standard Buffy vamp. Yeah, yeah, and different than like most of the representations of Dracula I've seen. He had a ponytail. Mm-hmm. It was all happening for him. Yeah, he was he was slaying the game. Ha ha ha! You've got <laughs> the Count from Sesame Street, obviously inspired by dracula count von count you got count chocula there's just there's counts all over the place and we we owe it all to dracula but yeah it was just it was very interesting to me to kind of just see how these things all came together dracula is the first vampire in literature to like transform into a bat which I thought was interesting. I guess like bats were kind of connected to vampires just because like they're both like night and spooky. (laughs) Um, But Bram was like, no, he's going to, he's turning into a bat. We're going, we're going all in on this. Bat? Yes. Oh my gosh. But yeah, obviously we can see, you know, in awesome stuff like what we do in the shadows still very much references back to this lore of home earth of transforming into bats, the, nighttime your crazy vampire brides all all created right here in dracula i'm really disappointed that you did not credit the best dracula representation of all time which is of course hotel transylvania's adam sandler (laughs) (laughs) uh when i was scrolling through the list it was like modern dracula's it was like hotel transylvania and i was like all right i guess (laughs) It's so cute. And his little like I do not say blah blah blah. I it makes me laugh every time. I love him. See, you you jumped the gun on me because my my final question was gonna be what is your favorite Dracula? And obviously oh, you want well. Hotel Transylvania. So there you go. <laughs> I I really do. I love it. Um I also our I, when you said uh brought up ballets, our Kansas City Ballet just did Dracula, the ballet. Um, and it was like all the, I, I wanted to go see it really bad and didn't get to, but all the stills from it were gorgeous. Um, but I feel like that's also, the ballet is very like sexy Drac. Yes. Like very- <laughs> yeah, very sexy Dracula. Overtly sexual, as Wikipedia would say. Yes, overtly sexual, correct. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I I have to to give my heart a little bit to the Gary Oldman Dracula. Yeah, um, I mean you love those tiny sunglasses, cool hat. 
Um, and so I actually, when I was in high school, um, one of my friends and I would have vampire slumber parties where I would stay over at her house. We'd stay, I'd stay over at her house and we'd watch vampire movies all night. And usually we would make like cupcakes or something. And I saw Dracula for the first time at a vampire slumber party with Sam. And so that's definitely a very fond memory for me. I absolutely love that information. (laughs) I I will say I I have had, so that show Dracula, the Netflix show that I think just came out either last year or 2020. I've had it on my list for ever and I haven't watched any of it yet. Um, this episode's probably gonna <laughs> push me to go watch it, but um, I, I have heard very good things about his Dracula portrayal, so I'll be interested to to give that a go. Yes, yeah, I'll have to check that out. I remember, I remember seeing mixed reviews when it came out, and so it didn't get to like the top of my like must watch yeah list. But but I Stephen do, Moffat writes on it, it. yeah. And I'm a I'm as much as we love to hate Moffat over in Who Land, <laughs> I do really love his writing. So I'm I'd yeah, I'm interested. Um but you know, who who knows? I sometimes and the great thing about monster movies and TV, any of that for me, is that it can be pretty bad and still be good to me. <laughs> right. I was gonna say, like as like they say about pizza, even when it's bad, it's yeah. still pretty good. <laughs> exactly. Especially especially when it's Dracula. Yes. I like we both have Dracula homework now uh, yes. from here. And And so do you, dear listener. <laughs> exactly. If any of you listeners haven't um explored some of the Draculas listed here, if you were intrigued by things like country western dracula um give it a go check them out let us know how they were let us know what your favorite portrayal of dracula is uh we'd love to hear it yeah if penny like didn't list your favorite dracula let us know because we'd love to hear about it (laughs) and there there are over 500 film and tv appearances alone so there's no way that i could have covered everybody's favorite dracula so please feel free to sound off and let us know which one we should have covered. And I I am excited to get my Dracula daily emails and go along on this fun adventure with Jonathan Harker. And I'm glad that it inspired me to dig, dig back into Dracula. It's been a long time. I mean, I, I read it like in high school, so yeah. it's been a while since I've, I've revisited the book. Well, and for, for some reason for me, he's one of the monsters I like forget about a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I think, cause I've, I kind of think of him as his own thing, if that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, whereas I kind of lump the other universals like together, but I mean, yeah, he's like the, the OG really. I mean, he's, he's the, he's the king bitch. He's, <laughs> he is Beyonce always. <laughs> he is the Beyonce of the universal <laughs> monsters. For sure. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you had a good time. Um, If you did enjoy the show, it helps us out so much if you could give us a rating or leave a review where you listen to this. Uh, Do you have a review to share today, Mitch? I do. We have one from our Apple Podcast reviews from Desert Rat. (laughs) Great name. Uh, This is a five-star review titled, My New Favorite Podcast. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Uh, They said, 
I feel like I'm hanging out with my spookiest ghouls, Blackheart, Orangeheart. Y'all have to check out the first season of The Terror on Hulu. Ooh. Ooh, I've heard of this. It is completely up the alley of the most recent episode on spooky ship stories. Oh. Yeah, I've I've heard of this. It's like a like a spooky like nautical old-timey nautical voyage show. Oh, I have not heard of it. Okay, well great suggestion Desert Rat. We will check that out and thank you for your five-star review. We're so glad that you enjoy the podcast. Yes, thank you friends. Um and if you would like to follow along with the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Ghoul's Night in Pod. And if you're looking for me, you can find me at Penny Snark on all of the platforms. And you can find me across them all at Midge Munster. And until next time, goodbye. goodbye.